you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy And it is another one. We got another great episode of Open Bar Talk, the dopest, most effervescent bartending podcast in the universe. It is episode 74. We have a wonderful guest that we're going to introduce in just a moment. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you right now about how to get a hold of this show. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, that is where you can download it. Get at us. We'd love for you to tell a friend as well. Five stars on uh, iTunes. It's iTunes. There's something wrong with it. You can only give five stars. I don't know. You just have to do five. That's just what it is. Um, you're wondering who this voice is. It's Jim Search. You can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com. You can go on all social media. Find me at Jim Search. I make branding super easy for you. If you want to email the show, you can openbartalk at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on Instagram, we are at Open Bar Talk, of course, because branding is so important in these uncertain times. Um, you know, again, I'm very excited to uh, to find out about the life and times of Justin Auslander. Justin, how are you, sir? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Of course. And I shit, I forgot to plug the Two Dry Guys podcast. Go listen <laughs> to his show too, because I do my research. Uh, I but. That. I'm glad uh I'm glad you're doing well man. Again, thanks you thank you so much for uh doing the show here. Apologies for uh being late here. Uh I know that in the podcast world time is is irrelevant. However, I was 7 minutes late and you didn't deserve that. <laughs> no, it's all right. I appreciate the apology. But, uh right. I, I'm excited. I I like the I like the format. I like the topic. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I've never heard of a podcast like this. So. Oh man. Well, listen, uh, you know, we are, you are now the 74th bartender that I've talked to. Um, That's a lot um, of bartenders. It's a shit ton of bartenders. Um, <laughs> and you know, just for the listeners out here and uh, for anybody who's new to the show, you know, I really think, you know, the, the world of bartending is so fascinating because there's so many just different stories and different things that have occurred while at a bar. And the, one of the most insightful people to ever see it is the bartender, um, you know, as a, a bar rat, uh, a bar fly, whatever you may call me, uh, understand that I have been on the consumption side and so many of my friends are on the production side. So I mm-hmm. thought, you know, what better way to just encapsulate their experiences um, from from their lives and also you know look you may see one thing and your bartender next to you may have seen the exact same thing but you would have two very different stories of what you saw how how that went down so the 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 topics the the discussion is endless uh as we as we say here bartenders usually not drunk so it's uh (laughs) right it's often very different exactly exactly other people talk about their night versus yeah. yeah, and it's funny because like there's definitely some uh, bar flies who are like, "I had the craziest night," and you're like, no, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> you, sat here and got wasted in front of me. Yeah, and <laughs> and some cute girl came in, and you weren't sure what to say, and you were like, "What do I do?" And then she left. Right. That was that was the night. 
So if we want to really define what crazy feels like, uh, but anywho. I mean, I guess from like watching people go through those experiences, I don't want to kill their joy. You know, I was always <laughs> trying to help out. Like if they were talking to a girl and failing miserably, I would try to help. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to come back because they succeeded, you know, or vice versa. Girls talking to a guy, I want her to succeed. You know, it, this is, as we both come from the stand-up world, this is the only time when the audience can help. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, in the, nor our reflex generally is just like, no, you know, audience, we don't need your help. But, so, you know, in the bar world, you might, you might need a little yeah. assistance. A couple of shots on me. You guys seem like you've known each other for a long time. Oh, you just met? Okay. I'm going to go down here now. <laughs> yes. Just, I'm so excited to hear, uh, to hear your tales, man. So, all right. Well, you know what? Let's jump into it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how did you get into the world of bartending? Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, okay. So it, it's, I guess it's kind of a funny story. I mean, I was, uh, I bartended first in DC Okay. Uh, at a bar called the Mad Hatter, which is opened in the eighties and it's like a institution in the DuPont circle area. And uh, I worked during the day at a law firm uh, as a legal assistant. And at night, you know, when I first moved to D.C., I had no friends that also moved to D.C. I'm from Maryland. Most of my friends moved to Baltimore. Okay. Barely anyone moved to D.C. So I was in D.C. I I was really trying to (laughs) make friends and uh, join kickball leagues and stuff like that and was not having a good time and one of my coworkers, not a coworker, but the law firm I worked at shared an office with another office and they were like, we're going out for happy hour. So we went to the Mad Hatter for happy hour and we were drinking and I stuck around. I was pretty drunk. And then the manager there was talking to another bartender about, I don't know what I'm going to do. We don't have any bouncers because they had to fire all of their bouncers. All All of them, the whole bouncing staff got fired like the previous weekend and it was like a Tuesday because they, you know, they beat somebody up, I guess. <laughs> right. And he thought they been, were. Too. It'd have been so, great if you, it would have been great if you just kept going, like they all got fired. So anyway, <laughs> back to the story. So, so they all, so they, they all beat someone up. That he can the whole staff, you know, okay. a young guy, you know, uh, Seth was his name. And, uh, is his name. I, I don't know what happened to him. I'm assuming he's still alive, but he, uh, he was t- telling the other guy this and he goes, I don't know what we're going to do. I guess we'll put up a sign on the door. You know, this was 2007 or something. Right. And uh, we'll put up a sign on the door. We'll put an ad out to find new bouncers. And I was sitting there. I was like the only one there. And I was like, Hey, I'll do it. <laughs> right. And I was pretty drunk. And he goes, are you serious? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. When do, when do I need to be in, you know, right. cause I had a day job and he's like, can you get here by five 30? I was like, yeah, I can. My office was literally 20 yards away from the door of this bar. So he was like, well, you're hired. You can start tomorrow. <laughs> so he get, went in the back, he got me a shirt, he gave it to me and I went home and the next day I was like, I guess I'm going to be a bouncer and I'm not, right. a big, I'm not a big guy, you know? Okay. I'm not like a bouncer. Do I look like a bouncer? 
I mean, from the from the armpits up, I would say no, because I can only you know. I have, this is I, have fl- I have you know feminine hands, slight. Sh- I'm not a broad shouldered guy. Well, and, and before I mean before the podcast, you were saying how you don't like violent films, so I'm no. guessing that. <laughs> this and, might, uh, anyway, yeah, I think he just like he was like, yeah, we just need someone, you know. So he hired me and then I worked there for like a week every day by myself, you know, while they looked for other people. And I assumed he was going to fire me after they found real bouncers. Right. You know? and, uh, and then he just hired a bunch of really large people, you know, like okay. people who were like six, five, two fifty, you know, or like, even if they were short, just, you know, yeah, just, shit yeah, houses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he hired a bunch of like five other guys that were way bigger than me, but he kept me on you know and uh so i worked i started as a bouncer at this bar and um i like i wasn't a great bouncer you know because i was people didn't respect me right you know i would be like hey you gotta leave and they'd be like fuck you (laughs) 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 and uh (laughs) people screamed at me all the time you know and once we had like enough big people, I became like the good cop, you know? And right. Okay. I would, I would be, I would approach, you know, we had like, they were gentle giants. The guys I worked with, they did not want to fight people. One was like a semi-pro boxer, just this huge guy named Rob. Which was, and like, if you're a semi-pro boxer, like, yeah, you don't want to fight for all the right reasons. Right. Yeah. I mean, he had no desire to hurt anyone. He just wanted to, make some money and sit there hopefully. And it was look, DuPont circle is a business district. Mm -hmm. Uh, you get a lot of like white collar people, you get a lot of, uh, Capitol Hill staff people. And then GW is right down the road. So you get a lot of college kids. It's not a rough crowd. You know, this couldn't have happened in New York because bouncers here are scary, gigantic people, you know, but in DC. And are prepared for violence. Yeah. I could be, I could be the guy who tells people to leave. And for the most part, nothing's going to happen. But when it did, or when somebody was being really out of hand, I would go up first and I'd be like, Hey, you know, we got a couple of reports that you groped people. If you could, if you could leave. Right. And they'd be like, why don't you fuck off? I'd be like, understandable. I will, (laughs) I will fuck off. But when I do, I'm going to go talk to that guy and that guy. And then they're going to come over here. They're going to throw you out. <laughs> and right. That would normally work, you know? So like that became our, our dynamic, you know, like I was, I worked like five, six nights a week there in okay. addition to my day job. And then like a few months in, I went on vacation. And while I was gone, I had to, I had developed like a regular clientele as a bouncer. Like people would come to see me. Interesting. And uh, because I would sit there like right inside the door and talk to people. And they, when I was gone, they came to see me and I wasn't there for like two weeks. But when I got back, the manager, uh, who was also a bartender, uh, he came over to me and he was like, Look, uh, I think we're going to move you to a bartender. Because while you were gone, a hundred people came to see you. Interesting. And I feel like you could make us money, you yeah. know, because part of it are all about regulars, you know, like you of course. people to 80, come back. 80% of your business comes from 20% of your clientele. Right. Yeah. 
And uh, so he immediately like put me on like two nights a week. And I started bartending there, you know, just based on that. I, I like, uh, I don't know. It was, I, I felt lucky to be there because the, this place, I mean, it was busy for happy hour every night of the week. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday to Saturday, it was really busy sure. you know, all night. Um, and all the bartenders there made like six figures, you know, this, they did a lot of business, you know, like on a night where I could make like, if there was like a bar crawl or something, I could make like 1500 in the night. Jesus Christ. On a Saturday, I could make like 700 or a thousand, depending on how good it was, you know? And so that's really how I got into it. I just kind of like lucked into it and DC is kind of... I was going to say, it's interesting, like, in the, all the, all the episodes I've done, you know, the, the general trajectory has been bar back to bartender, right? Or wait, wait staff to bartender. I have never really heard of bouncer to bartender. This is, this is a first. I'm, I'm very. I had, yeah, I had no server experience either because when I was younger and I worked uh, in restaurants, I worked in a lot of restaurants, but I was fat. So like they would never put me in the front of the house, you know, like fat people in the kitchen. (laughs) And so I was like doing prep cook or line cook or something. So I didn't have any like serving experience, but Mm -hmm. I was good at talking to people. So, uh, they trained me, you know, and DC is kind of a drinking town in a way that I don't think New York is, you know, like New York certainly has parties and, and bars and stuff, but in DC, there's like a limited number of liquor licenses. Mm-hmm. So they really like narrow down the number of bars you can go to. So people develop like real favorite spots and then people drink a shitload because they have government jobs, you know, and they're not like constantly hustling. <laughs> right. I'd be, I mean, I used to party in DC and uh, I had friends who I, I have a couple of people who still work in the government and yeah, that's the one of the cushiest fucking jobs you'll ever get. And you get it, you're in. And, right. you know, I I'm, had, I had a friend who was like, when he worked for the government, he would just research shit and like send me articles all day. And I'm like, what do you do? Do anything? Like, anyone watching what you do? No. Not, not so much. <laughs> not so much. So, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of discretionary income, right? Yeah. And I, so I, uh, I bartended there and I like, uh, it, it was kind of, you know, when you're in your 20s, I was in my mid-20s, it became like my family, you know, because like sure. it was a long time to get out of the city. My parents lived in a rural area of Maryland. It was like hard to go home without driving for hours. And uh, so I was just, I worked all the time. I was at the bar every night working and I still bounced, but I bartended three nights a week, you know, when I wasn't You bouncing, bounced at the same uh, Mad Hatter? Yeah, yeah. So I was just, I was like, if you need someone, I'm there, you know, and they gave me like uh, Monday night, which was industry night, you know, basically like if you're in, if you work in restaurants and bars, they call it the industry, right? Like every field calls themselves the industry and restaurants are no different. And uh, so I worked Monday nights, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then usually Friday or Saturday. Okay. And, uh, it was 
this place was like a real dive, you know, um, there's the Mad Hatter has moved since then. Um, when I moved to New York, they like, right after I moved to New York, they closed the location on M street, which is now called eight thirty eighteen thirty one bar or something. Okay. The address 1831 M street. And, uh, and they moved to uh, Connecticut Avenue near the big hunt, which is like a comedy place too. Okay. And it's much nicer now. Uh, but when I was working there, it was like a, you had to go down the stairs to get into this place. It had tin ceilings. Like I know the tiny vibes. Tile, tiny, tiny tile floor. You know, there was a bar in the, a long bar downstairs and you walk upstairs and a short bar was upstairs and then the bathroom and then an alley, you know, and uh, it was sandwiched between a Chipotle and a strip club. You know, I so mean, I, location, location, location. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty divey. And like right after I, shortly after I started going there, they like banned smoking in bars in DC. So like mm-hmm. it's, then you first realize like what bars smell like, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> when they took away smoking, that was like the end of like any illusion that this place was clean. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 <laughs> like it it just, is piss and oh. shit. Yeah. And just wet, and wet clothes. Yeah. Wet. Always wet. Yeah. Bars are constantly <laughs> damp. It's you know, damp. people are spilling drinks everywhere. It's kind of, it was, you know, it was a divey, dank, gross place, but I loved it. And it catered to all kinds, you know, like we had regulars who were like 60 year old government workers. And then we had regulars who were college students and we had regulars who were in their thirties. And, uh, and I worked with like a great group of bartenders and, and people who trained me really well. Like one of the guys who trained me, Ben, he went on to work for like, uh, John Dory oyster bar in Manhattan, mm. uh, which was, you know, like the guy who did milk and honey. Yep. Set up the bar there. Um, and the other guy, uh, who trained me, his name was, uh, soup, uh, because his last name was Campbell. So everybody called him soup. Uh. Uh, and uh he was voted like best bartender in dc a ton of times he taught me a lot of great stuff and we became i felt like we were family you know like we all hung out all the time like when we weren't working it was like weekends we would go and watch football at another bar right Uh, but i'm working like mondays tuesday or wednesday and one weekend night and uh it was a great place great place to work you know like uh i worked i've also worked at a bar in new york yeah, I, well, I was going to ask. Um, so you kind of cut your teeth here. Uh, you cut your teeth in D.C. in the bar world. And then when you came here to New York, you were bartending as well. Uh, where where were you? Where were you working? So it was tough to get a bar gig in New York. You know, like even though I worked in D.C. for a couple of years and that place was slam packed most nights. When I came to New York, I applied to a ton of places and they all said like, but you don't have any New York city experience. And I'd be like, there's 10 people here. It's right. a Saturday. Like I could do this blindfolded. Like, right. dude, what are you talking about? And they're like, we we're really looking for somebody who's done this in New York city. And it's like, you have a high opinion of yourself. No <laughs> like <laughs> what happened? Like what, why are these 10 people special? Right, right. Like, like I'm used to dealing with like a hundred people. You got, I can handle ten. Call sure. out, you know. And uh, I couldn't get the time of day in New York. And then, mo- like most things in New York, you have to know somebody, you know. So like, 
I was doing like an internship thing during the day and my buddy, his girlfriend was dating this guy who was general manager at a bar called the North Square Lounge, uh, which is connected to a hotel and restaurant, like a, a, a restaurant that's under a hotel. And okay. the, the lounge is next to it on Waverly and McDougal. So right in Washington Square. Oh, and okay. uh, he interviewed me and uh, didn't like me at all, but he decided <laughs> to trust my friend and he hired me anyway. And then what a later weird... on. Wait, how did you? So wait, do you mean he like didn't like you professionally or personally? Just wasn't well, into you? Just not into me at all. You're but a nice guess... guy. What? <laughs> I guess he didn't have other candidates. I don't interview well at all. You know, like I'm, I, I don't lie. I don't like to play games. I'm just very direct. Okay. And he's like, in the, I gotta be like later after I'd been there a few months and they were like offering me like the package, you know, they were like, we're going to keep you long term. Here's your, you can do a pension plan thing, union, whatever. Uh, he was like, I gotta be honest with you. When I, I didn't like you. Uh, at all you you're terrible at interviewing but you're doing good here and i was like wait you didn't like me and he goes i didn't like you at all i was not gonna hire you i called your friend and asked him what's wrong with him and he assured me that, I would, that you would grow on me uh <laughs> yeah. so that's the only way i like i got into this place right it, it was like a hotel bar you know it wasn't like divey it wasn't fun it wasn't college um, right it wasn't in like the lobby of a hotel, you know, it was really connected to a restaurant and it did have like a loyal clientele of like NYU professors, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and you know, it was the restaurant attached to it was very good and they did like high end cocktails and stuff. And so like, it was a great place to work, but nothing wild or crazy ever happened there. You know, sure. like, everybody that worked there was an actor or an actress and they were very dramatic people. Right. But nothing crazy ever happened there. You know, it was like just plain vanilla. You go, you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> NYU professor comes in, talks your ear off. I was going to say, there's going to be a lot of waxing poetic about what someone thinks about themselves. Oh, totally. There was one guy that came in. He was there like three nights a week. And he would always want this one bartender, Joey. And I think he liked Joey you know, for other reasons, but okay. <laughs> he would not want me to make his drink. You know, okay. like, where's Joey? Have Joey make my drink. I'm like, Joey's waiting tables on the other side tonight. I'm making the drinks tonight. Well, you don't know how to make my drink, you know? And then he would okay. <laughs> talk about like the perfect, the way to make a perfect uh, old fashioned, you know, and then tell me why he doesn't think I do it right. And then he would talk about tires because he wrote a book on tires. It was a nutcase. And that was like at this place, you know, not fun. Yeah. What a (laughs) psycho. The regulars that I had at at Mad Hatter were like, you know, like even the older guys were at least fun. You know, like they liked to watch sports and they just like to have eight bud heavies and a couple shots of wild turkey before they went home and passed out and they didn't make any trouble. You know. Nothing. You've described nothing wrong. <laughs> you described no wrong in that in that scenario. Yeah. So <laughs> the first, I, I have a story about one of the regulars. Uh, Let's go. That I had at Mad Hatter. Uh, so you you told me to think of a couple stories, and we had this guy Jim, and Jim was a mathematician for the government. I never real. I don't really know which 
agency. I think it was the Department of Agriculture, but he never really talked about his job. You know, I just okay. like his buddy Sheldon mentioned to me once, like his drinking buddy, uh, that that's what he did. And uh, he would come in and he would plant himself at the bar every single day. And he'd been doing it since the 80s. Like this was his place. He came there for dinner. He drank eight to 12 Bud Weisers, whiskey. And then he would say, thank you very much. He would leave you a very generous tip. And he'd go take a cab home. And, you know, if you talked to him, he would talk a little bit, but he didn't want to talk a lot. And um, so the thing about DC, so he was there, it was like a Monday night. And then I'll, I'll do a little tangent about DC. DC is built on a swamp, right? Yes. It's a hot, sweaty mess. And, you know, people think rats in New York are large, but in DC, they're bigger. You know, they're, Interesting. <laughs> they're like, they're definitely twice the size of a rat here. You know, okay. even a big rat that you see here, they just don't grow as big because it's not a swamp. I, I can't explain it, you know, and Mad Hatter wasn't a dirty place. We cleaned it well. But every restaurant in D.C. is just riddled with rats. Every single one. I, I went to a lot of them. I know a lot of people that worked in them. There's rats everywhere. You can't get rid of them, right? And uh, they're, <laughs> you know, like after the smoking ban ended, one of the problems with smell in the restaurants was rats, right? Like, they would put poison down and then the rat would eat the poison and go die in the restaurant, in the restaurant. But you didn't know, like in the wall somewhere, you know, under, sure. under a cooler, you know, and then you would just be like, what you'd walk in. You'd be like, what the, what the fuck is that? Right. Smells like something died in here and you know, it's a rat, you know? So then the poor bar back would have to <laughs> have to go looking for the rat. You're like, I never had to look for the rat, but the barbacks would go look for the rat. Right. And uh, eventually they would find it and like clean it up and get it out of there. But the, the smell would take days to dissipate. So we had all these candles that we would put around and uh, you know, Mad Hatter had its own rat problem. And Jim came in one night it was a Monday night I was working and he ordered a burger or something. There were like three people there. And, you know, we have a baseball game on and I'm just sitting there shooting the shit with him. And, uh, I hear it scurrying in the ceiling. Oh, Jesus. Really loud scurrying. And we all kind of looked up and it had, uh, so this place had 10 ceilings, but right above the bar, were like you know those like tile ceilings with like the soft it was it's almost like particle board type yeah 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 yep well a rat fell through the ceiling <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> it landed right on the bar and it was like it must have been this bit like two pound oh rat my easily holy and fuck like broke through the ceiling the ceiling tile broke it was probably wet you know? Right. Right. And it fell and the rat fell and it landed on the bar, like a few feet down from Jim. <laughs> he was like eating and he puts his burger down and he looks over and then the rat runs across the bar right over his plate. Nope. I'm done. down to the other end of the bar under the bar. And then I like 
go to see where it's going and it like squeezes itself through this like tiny little hole. Because they can um, break their own bones, like mice, I believe. Yeah, maybe. I don't they can fit through small shit. Because well, sure. I well, at least with mice, this is a little mini tangent, but the reason why mice are so hard to get rid of is that like they can dis they they can break their own like this they're all their entire body's double jointed. So uh. they can break themselves apart and then climb into things and then put themselves back together. So I'm willing to bet rats can do the same. Yeah. I I don't know why I know that, but I do. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I've seen rats squeeze through small spaces. And and it left. And Jim, to his credit, you know, like he was like a fixture there. Sure. Move or flinch. He was just like took a sip of his drink, put it down. He goes, well... You don't see that every day. <laughs> and I just grabbed his plate and I was like, another burger? And he was like, yeah. And I just dropped the whole plate in the garbage. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I there's, ordered another burger. There's no amount of sanitation or clean, like, no chemical is going to get rat off of a fucking plate. It's gone. <laughs> it's just gone. It's over. It's, it, it would cost more than the plate itself. So... Honestly, what was I going to do? You know, like, I was so lucky that it was just regulars there, you know, who didn't care, you know, like, he's like, I don't care if rats sit next to me in this bar. This is my bar, you know, and that's, uh, that's so funny, he, man. he was like such a fixture there that like, at, at some point he was gone for like three days, you know, and on day two, everyone was like, has anybody heard from Jim? <laughs> you know, like some bars have these bar flies that like, this is their family, you know? So like when you don't see them, you're like, is Jim missing? You know, by the third day, everyone's like, we got to start making some calls to find out right. what happened to Jim. You know, and Sheldon, his best friend's coming in. And he's like, I haven't heard from Jim. What's going on with Jim? And we found <laughs> out that he was hospitalized, you know, oh, no. for liver issues. Not shocked. <laughs> Not shocked. So we, I mean, at least that, that's my recollection, you know? And so we all thought like, well, he's not going to be back. Right. No, you like, well, and that's the other thing. When you said that he like was not at the bar, it's like, well, what if he's not trying to drink anymore? <laughs> like, Yeah. But I, at a certain point in life, right. Like an alcoholic is just not able to stop. Sure. Right. You know, that might kill them. Right? I feel like doctors tell like 60-year-old alcoholics, like, look, I'm not going to tell you to quit because you will die. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Just and he, run that light. I mean, he did eventually come back. Oh, good. Uh, but it was, it, was, uh, sort of, it was just a crazy thing to see that side of like the world because we all knew that he probably shouldn't be drinking anymore. But like what are you going to tell this guy? Yeah. What do you tell, what do you tell like a, yeah, like a fixture of a bar? Like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do this anymore. Like that's, that's a hard place to be, man. Yeah. And our owner of that place, his name was uh, Mickey, like, uh, and he had owned it since the beginning. And I remember like one day I like didn't comp Jim enough, you know, shit, you didn't, word got back. And then he came and he was like, did you, were you rude to Jim? And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, 
You got to take care of Jim. Right. He's take been coming here every day for 30 years. You got to take yeah. care of him. That's like understood. <laughs> you know, like, so you have tricks, you know, that you learn for your regulars. Like you get a comp tab each night and then you have like specials, but like, you just don't end the special for them. You right. Know? <laughs> right. If here's $2 before seven, it's $2 it's, for the regulars all the time. It's you know? your grandfathered in. <laughs> right. It's, it's what it is. And, you know, it's, it's funny you say that uh, earlier about like, how to tell like regulars that they shouldn't be drinking anymore. Like I remember this is one night I was out at a bar here in New York and I, you know, I was a regular at this place, uh, revival. And I remember like, I know that it's, uh, that? in union square, um, yeah. uh, union, it's like 15th. It was 15th and Irving. Um, and I remember one night I watched these two regulars who were hammered, absolutely fucking hammered and one was telling the other one that they needed to stop drinking mm-hmm. and i was like is this <laughs> I, I, is this the best con- like are you are we really having this conversation right now because from the looks of it um, i don't want to see you here again i'm gonna be here every night yeah i'm fine i'm <laughs> well within my right to drink but you sir you're yeah. out of you're out of your mind that's wow that's really fucking funny well, listen, uh, Justin, this has been, uh, this has been I, the buildup of the rat story, by the way. I didn't, I didn't quite see that coming, even though I, I got another have. rat story too. That's quicker. If you want me let's to go. That. Yeah. Let's, let's rock it, man. Let's go. So, uh, one night. So at the end of the night, we would have to like clean up, uh, the whole bar basically. And the bouncers would all help. And we had this, a bouncer, Amir, and he was from Ethiopia. Uh, but his family was Saudi, I think. I don't know. Big guy, big stocky guy. And he, right. he, he was really an entertaining guy. I loved working with him. Uh, he was intimidating, you know. <laughs> and he was like carrying tables out back one night because we would put the tables out back and then clean everything on the floor and then bring them back in. Sure, sure. And then he put the tables out back. And I was standing out there uh, with another guy talking and uh, a rat fell down from a fire escape and landed on his head. No. He he was bald, right? So it didn't like hook into any hair, but he went. (laughs) And I, I nearly died. I, I nearly died. That's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen to this day. Uh, and <laughs> I've never seen a rat land on someone's head. It was so entertaining. That's that's like a Mad Libs come to life, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, and also, you know, as much as like we can laugh about it, but to, the actuality of that happening is fucking terrifying. Oh, like, if it happened to me, oh, I would, I would, I would cut I would, my head off. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would have lost it completely. I mean, to his credit, after he screamed like that, he was like. Man, fuck you guys. And he just went, like, <laughs> man, it was that's, still like, that's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen that isn't actually that terrifying. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, it like, it's, it's just not something I'd want to have happen to me. No way. Hands down, not. Well, listen, Justin, uh, thank you for bringing these stories into our world here, man. Uh, they were goodies. 
I knew. Yeah, I don't know if anybody talking about rap problems on here before. I like certainly have other like stories of like gambling and drug use and strippers, <laughs> strippers and stuff like that. But you know, I don't know. Well, listen. I mean, th- the thing about running your own podcast is you can have on whoever the fuck you want. So, <laughs> should you uh, want to ever come back and tell those stories, you are more than welcome. Uh, yeah, you have to. We uh we have a very open uh there's a very laissez-faire sort of approach to the uh storytelling here on the Open Bar Talk podcast. So yes, we'd love to have you come back, sir. Great. Uh, so listen, we're gonna we're gonna jump into our next segment, which is five questions for our guest. These are five questions we ask every bartender who come on to the Open Bar Talk podcast about life as a bartender. So, question number one: What is the what is a misconception people have about being a bartender? Mm. I guess. Uh, oh man, that's a tough one. I feel like uh, a lot of people think that it's a great way to make money, you know? <laughs> and in some bars, it certainly is, you know, like, right. uh, but I feel like most bartenders, especially in, I feel like cocktail bars and even that aren't super popular, no, not like the Death and Co or Milk and Honey or something or Pegu Club or something like that, but like just a bar that wants to be a cocktail bar that's huge but isn't. <laughs> or right. like in a place where there's a ton of bars that are all a little bit busy but not that busy. You're not making a ton of money at night. You know, like you make because you're making like maybe two hundred bucks a night. Unless you're at a high end place. Uh the place I worked in DC, you made a lot because it was like beer, dollar, beer, dollar, beer, dollar. It's better to work at a dive bar. And a lot, maybe a lot of people think that a classier bar, you make more money, but that's, that's not the truth. The truth is you want to work at the shitty place where you crack a beer and you get a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> you do that a thousand times, right? Because if you have to make a hundred cocktails a night and it takes you three or four minutes for every cocktail, those people who are paying $15 are probably still only going to give you a dollar. Exactly. So you make a hundred, you get a hundred dollars, maybe 150, 200 bucks. You worked your ass off. You have a lot more fun working at a shithole for college kids, make more money than you are going to work at a professional spot where people are earning martinis, you know? Interesting. See, that's a, that's an, that's another insight that I didn't even think about of just like the speed, I guess the, the volume at which the dive bars were actually going to make you money. That makes sense. Definitely a volume place. I mean, certainly like at these like high end cocktail bars that have like people that are like waiting, they'll wait three hours to get in. People tip a lot better, you know, but like at the lounge I worked at, you know, people would come come in and order like four cocktails that took me quite a bit of time to make because they made fancy cocktails and it'd be $16 and they give me a dollar and you're like, I could have could have made about twenty to a beer, you know. Yeah, like, come on now. Right. All right, question number two: What is the biggest tip you've ever received as a bartender? And that's very open ended. Could be money, could be life. 
but what is the biggest tip you've ever received as a bartender? Um, I, I can't say money. I don't, I, I, I can't like recall a time where someone gave me a shitload of money. <laughs> I mean, okay. like, but a bartender I worked with was like in his mid thirties and he was like, I was kind of waffling, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, maybe I should quit my other job and just come work here. And he was like, don't, don't do this. <laughs> it's fun now. It's fun now. And I look like I'm having fun. <laughs> and he was like younger than I am now. You know? Right. But he was like, just don't do it. It's not worth it. It's like, I may make 150 a year. You know, but then I got to spend 60 of it on other bartenders <laughs> and I'm getting home every night at 4 a.m. You know, like, because that is another industry thing. It's like you end up like on your nights off or your days off, you spend a lot of money, you know. And, right. And and also to his point, man, it's like, yeah, you're out at four every night. So like you are, you know, I don't know. Like, I have my theories about the human body and how it's not designed to be nocturnal, but. <laughs> no it's certainly not and it takes a toll for sure yeah i mean it's, it's great when you're young i don't think i could do it now you know and uh yeah i mean i think you know i feel like for some folks it's like if you own your own bar that's a different situation but you know sure what do i know all right all right question number three what's your pet peeve of a customer what is the one thing Justin does not want you to do if you're if you're sitting on the sitting at the bar. Okay. And this you only get one. I okay. I don't like when people try to give me too many instructions. Mm, how okay. To, how to make their drink you know I I don't mind like more spicy more dry something simple but when somebody sits there and gives you like a by road list of how to make something for them it drives me insane it's like I could see that then go home then you make it at home (laughs) yeah we make it this way here not for me please Uh, yeah you you just you leave then sir or miss all right question number four What's the one thing you've learned from bartending? And again, this is very open. It could be about bartending. It could also be about life. What is the one thing you learned from bartending? Uh, I'll try to, uh, maybe this is, drunk people can't punch <laughs> Listen, that if is. You're gonna, if you're ever gonna get in a fight with a drunk person, just and you're sober, you're fine. Yeah. You know, for the most part, it's like something coming at you one mile an hour. You know, you just kind of move yeah. out of the way. I've been people tried to punch me so many times. It's and crazy. <laughs> Check your watch, like, oh, yeah, exactly, coming in. <laughs> Drunk people cannot punch. Understand that. <laughs> Listeners, should you decide in these uncertain times that a drunk swing is a swing? It's not. It's not. All right. Final question. 
What's your favorite drink? What do you like to have, alcoholic or not? My favorite drink is uh, I like to just have a nice uh, whiskey, you know. Whiskey? Nothing in it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I still drink frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Generally just whiskey by itself. Yeah. No, like, not on, not on the rocks, just straight up. Oh, one ice cube. One oh. ice cube. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want anything warm. This is America, you know. <laughs> You're right. This is, this is the United States of America. Who, who are we? Ice in my Coke, ice in my whiskey. That is, and sometimes you could, yeah, some people even do that together. So just know. But one ice cube, USA, whiskey. <laughs> remember that well well done justin well thank you for bringing uh bringing uh your answers to our questions here and this is going to bring us to our final segment which is called what were you drinking now this is part of the show where i read a post from my facebook timeline and i should tell you that i have a very messy facebook timeline so the people who are posting on here have to be drunk because no okay. sober person would volunteer this level of information um, with such candor. So it is up to you as a uh, drink slinger to help us figure out what they were drinking when they posted it. Okay. So away we go. <clears throat> I swear to Christ, if my phone rings one more fucking time tonight, I'm going to fucking destroy something. What? Uh, that's very angry. Uh, I feel like that's got to be maybe a margarita or a Paloma night. Whiskey, okay. makes, you know, tequila makes people angry in, in my experience. It could be whiskey too, but I'm going to go with tequila on this one. You're leaning on tequila? Yeah. Tequila rage against yeah. that phone? All right. We'll take it. Listen, you are the expert here. I have never served a drink, so I've drank them, but you've seen the reactions to people uh, whilst drinking and having served them. So I'm going to go yeah. with your judgment of tequila on that. Yeah. And we, you know, try to make people go crazy. So, yeah. That's, it goes wrong. And you see what happens when people have too much tequila. I've I've been there. Uh, I haven't been violent, but I've seen uh, I've seen the uh, I've seen the rage of others. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I'll say I'm gonna say tequila. Well, listen, uh, that is our show, uh, Justin. Thank you so much for hanging with us, man. This has been such a blast. Uh, you know, from rats to rats falling on heads. Uh, fucking terrifying a lot, of rat, a lot of rat stuff <laughs> a lot of rat shit going on so we're gonna we're gonna have to have you back on again uh to give us uh some dirt on some uh drugs and alcohol and uh strippers as you uh eloquently told us earlier today sure so listen uh you know before we get out of here um do you have anything you want to plug uh where people can find you what you got going on yeah you can find me at uh justin outlander on all social media platforms o-u-t lander and uh, you can listen to my podcast, Two Dry Guys, which is a podcast about hobbies. I make a drink every week to top the show. Uh, Love it. And, and I tell people how to make the drink and give you the history of it. So if you're into open bar talk and drinking, you know, it kind of pairs well. So. 
I would say so. Uh, so when you're done listening to this, go over to Two Dry Guys. Or when you finish Two Dry Guys, come over to Open Bar Talk. Look, oh, yeah. you, you, there's 24 hours in a day. It's synergy. You know what I mean? We got to help. We got to lift each other up. That's right. A rising tide lifts all boats here, my friend. Yeah. So listen, uh, go find Justin, uh, go download two dry guys. Uh, very funny dude. And quite the storyteller as well. Uh, again, thank you so much for hanging with us and that's going to do it for us. Open bar talk at gmail.com is a place to email us open bar talk on Instagram. It's where you can find us again, rate review, subscribe, go on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts underneath the hood of your car. Don't matter. Get at those podcasts. <laughs> listen to ours go listen to dry guys give us both five stars um if you want to find me i'm at jim search on all social media jimsearchcomedy.com is a good place to get a hold of me um i'm gonna be running a half hour stand-up comedy over at muddy waters at the end of the month february 25th eight o'clock come through fulton grand me and my homie veronica garza we're both doing half hours the homie gabe pacheco is going to be hosting it's going to be a wild time buy tickets they're five bucks on eventbrite seven at the door if you want to ball out and spend that extra two bucks i'm not going to stop you get in there come check out the show make sure you put a water between each drink and we'll catch you on the next one peace